The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 3, The Guillotine. Book 1, September. Chapter 6, The Circular. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 1, Chapter 6, The Circular. But the constituted authorities all this while... The Legislative Assembly, the six ministers, the Town Hall, Santerre with the National Guard? It is very curious to think what a city is. Theatres to the number of some twenty-three were open every night during these prodigies, while right arms here grew weary with slaying, right arms there a tweedledeeing on melodious catgut. At the very instant when Abbe Sicard was climbing up his second pair of shoulders, three men high, 500,000 human individuals were lying horizontal as if nothing were amiss. As for the poor legislative, the sceptre had departed from it. The legislative did send deputation to the prisons, to the street courts, and poor Monsieur Dussault did harangue there but produced no conviction whatsoever. Nay, at last, as he continued haranguing, the street court interposed, not without threats, and he had to cease and withdraw. This is the same poor, worthy old Monsieur Dussault who told, or indeed almost sang, though with cracked voice, the taking of the Bastille to our satisfaction long since. He was wont to announce himself on such, and on all occasions, as the translator of Juvenal. Good citizens, you see before you a man who loves his country, who is the translator of Juvenal, said he once. Juvenal, interrupts Sanscolotism, who the devil is Juvenal? One of your sacra aristocrats? To the lantern! From an orator of this kind, conviction was not to be expected. The legislative had much ado to save one of its own members, or ex-members, deputy Journaux, who chanced to be lying in arrest for mere parliamentary delinquencies in these prisons. As for poor old Dussault and company, they returned to the Salle de Manège, saying it was dark and they could not see well what was going on. Roland writes indignant messages in the name of order, humanity and the law, but there is no force at his disposal. Santerre's national force seems lazy to rise, though he made requisitions, he says, which always dispersed again. Nay, did not we, with advocate Maton's eyes, see men in uniform too, with their sleeves bloody to the shoulder? Petion goes in trickler's scarf, speaks the austere language of the law. The killers give up while he is there, when his back is turned, recommence. Manuel too, in scarf we, with Maton's eyes, transiently saw haranguing in the court called of nurses, cœur de nourrice. On the other hand, cruel Biot, likewise in scarf, with that small puce coat and black wig we are used to on him, audibly delivers standing among corpses at the abbey, a short but ever memorable harangue reported in various phraseology, but always to this purpose. Brave citizens, you are extirpating the enemies of liberty. You are at your duty. A grateful commune and country would wish to recompense you adequately, but cannot, for you know its want of funds. Whoever shall have worked, travailler, in a prison shall receive a draft of one louis, payable by our cashier. Continue your work. The constituted authorities are of yesterday, all pulling different ways. 
there is properly not constituted authority, but every man is his own king, and all are kinglets, belligerent, allied, or armed neutral, without king over them. Oh, everlasting infamy, exclaims Montgaillard, that Paris stood looking on in stupor for four days and did not interfere. Very desirable indeed that Paris had interfered, yet not unnatural that it stood even so looking on in stupor. Paris is in death panic, the enemy in gibbets at its door. Whosoever in Paris has the heart to front death finds it more pressing to do it fighting the Prussians than fighting the killers of aristocrats. Indignant abhorrence, as in Roland, may be here. Gloomy sanction, premeditation or not, as in Marat and Committee of Salvation, may be there. Dull disapproval, dull approval, and acquiescence in necessity and destiny is the general temper. The sons of darkness, two hundred or so, risen from their lurking places, have scope to do their work. Urged on by fever frenzy of patriotism and the madness of terror, urged on by lucre and the gold louis of wages? Nay, not lucre, for the gold watches, rings, money of the massacred are punctually brought to the town hall by king as sans indispensables, who higgle afterwards for their twenty shillings of wages, and Sir Jean sticking an uncommonly fine agate on his finger, fully meaning to account for it, becomes agate Sir Jean. But the temper, as we say, is dull acquiescence. Not till the patriotic or frenetic part of the work is finished for want of material and sons of darkness bent clearly on lucre alone begin wrenching watches and purses, brooches from ladies' necks to equip volunteers in daylight on the streets, does the temper from dull grow vehement, does the constable raise his truncheon and, striking heartily like a cattle-driver in earnest, beat the course of things back into its old regulated drove roads. The guard Meuble itself was surreptitiously plundered on the 17th of the month to Roland's new horror, who anew bestirs himself and is, as Sieg says, the veto of scoundrels, Roland veto des coquins. This is the September Massacre, otherwise called Severe Justice of the People. These are the Septemberers, Septembrisers, a name of some note and lucency, but lucency of the nether-fire sort, very different from that of our Bastille heroes, who shone, disputable by no friend of freedom, as in heavenly light radiance, to such faces of the business have we advanced since then. The numbers massacred are, in historical fantasy, between two and three thousand, or indeed they are upwards of six thousand, for Peltier, in vision, saw them massacring the very patients of the Bicetre madhouse with grape-shot. Nay, finally, they are twelve thousand and odd hundreds, not more than that. In arithmetical ciphers and lists drawn up by accurate advocate Maiton, the number, including 202 priests, three persons unknown and one thief killed at the Bernardin, is, as above hinted, 1,089, no less than that. 1,089 lie dead, 260 heaped carcasses on the Pont au Change itself, among which Robespierre, pleading afterwards, will nearly weep to reflect that there was said to be one slain innocent. One, not two, O thou sea-green incorruptible. 
If so, Damis Sanscalot must be lucky, for she was brief. In the dim registers of the town hall, which are preserved to this day, men read with a certain sickness of heart items and entries not usual in town books. To workers employed in preserving the salubrity of the air in the prisons and persons who presided over these dangerous operations, so much. In various items, nearly £700 sterling. To carters employed to the burying grounds of Clamart, Montrouge and Vaugirard at so much a journey per cart, this also is an entry. Then so many francs and odd sous for the necessary quantity of quicklime. Carts go along the streets, full of stripped human corpses, thrown pell-mell, limbs sticking up. Seest thou that cold hand sticking up through the heaped embrace of brother corpses in its yellow paleness, in its cold rigour, the palm open towards heaven as if in dumb prayer, in expostulation de profundis? Take pity on the sons of men. Messier saw it as he walked down the Rue Saint-Jacques from Montrouge on the morrow of the massacres, but not a hand, it was a foot, which he reckoned still more significant. One understands not well why. Or was it as the foot of one spurning heaven, rushing like a wild diver in disgust and despair towards the depths of annihilation? Even there shall his hand find thee, and his right hand hold thee, surely for right, not for wrong, for good, not evil. I saw that foot, says Mercy, I shall know it again at the great day of judgment, when the Eternal, throned on his thunders, shall judge both kings and Septemberers. That a shriek of inarticulate horror rose over this thing, not only from French aristocrats and moderates, but from all Europe, and has prolonged itself to the present day, was most natural and right. The thing lay done, irrevocable a thing to be counted beside some other things which lie very black in our earth's annals, yet which will not erase therefrom. For man, as was remarked, has transcendentalisms in him, standing, as he does, poor creature, every way, in the confluence of infinitudes, a mystery to himself and others, in the centre of two eternities, of three immensities, in the intersection of primeval light with the everlasting dark, Thus have there been, especially by vehement tempers, reduced to a state of desperation, very miserable things done. Sicilian vespers and eight thousand slaughtered in two hours are a known thing. Kings themselves, not in desperation, but only in difficulty, have sat hatching for year and day. Nay, Dethu says for seven years, their Bartholomew business, and then at the right moment, also on an autumn Sunday, this very bell. They say it is the identical metal of Saint-Germain-Luxerreau was set appealing with effect. Nay, the same black boulder stones of these Paris prisons have seen prison massacres before now, men massacring countrymen, Burgundies massacring Armagnacs, whom they had suddenly imprisoned, till as now there are piled heaps of carcasses and the streets ran red the mere pétion of the times speaking the austere language of the law and answered by the killers in old French, it is some four hundred years old, Maugre bien, sire, sire, God's malice on your justice, your pity, your right reason, cursed be of God, whoso shall have pity on these false traitorous Armagnacs, English, 
dogs they are. They have destroyed us, wasted this realm of France and sold it to the English. And so they slay and fling aside the flame to the extent of 1518, among whom are found four bishops of false and damnable counsel and two presidents of Parliament. For though it is not Satan's world, this that we live in, Satan always has his place in it, underground properly, and from time to time bursts up. Well may mankind shriek, inarticulately anathematizing as they can. There are actions of such emphasis that no shrieking can be too emphatic for them. Shriek ye, acted have they. Shriek who might, in this France, in this Paris legislative or Paris town hall, there are ten men who do not shriek. A circular goes out from the Committee of Salut Public, dated 3rd of September 1792, directed to all town halls. A state paper, too remarkable to be overlooked. A part of the ferocious conspirators detained in the prisons, it says, have been put to death by the people, and it, the circular, cannot doubt but the whole nation, driven to the edge of ruin by such endless series of treasons, will make haste to adopt this means of public salvation, and all Frenchmen will cry as the men of Paris, We go to fight the enemy, but we will not leave robbers behind us to butcher our wives and children. To which are legibly appended these signatures, Pani, Sejon, Marat, friend of the people, with seven others carried down thereby in a strange way to the late remembrance of antiquarians. We remark, however, that their circular rather recoiled on themselves. The town halls made no use of it. Even the distracted sans-culottes made little. They only howled and bellowed, but did not bite. At Reim, about eight persons were killed and two afterwards were hanged for doing it. At Lyon and a few other places some attempt was made, but with hardly any effect, been quickly put down. Less fortunate were the prisoners of Orléans, was the good Duke de la Rochefoucauld. He, journeying by quick stages with his mother and wife towards the waters of Forge or some quieter country, was arrested at Gisour, conducted along the streets amid effervescing multitudes, and killed dead by the stroke of a paving stone hurled through the coach window. Killed as a once liberal, now aristocrat, protector of priests, suspender of virtuous pétions, and his unfortunate hot grown cold, detestable to patriotism. He dies lamented of Europe, his blood spattering the cheeks of his old mother, ninety-three years old. As for the Orléans prisoners, they are state criminals, royalist ministers, Delessart, Montmorin, who have been accumulating on the High Court of Orléans ever since that tribunal was set up whom now it seems good that we should get transferred to our new Paris court of the 17th, which proceeds far quicker. Accordingly, hot Fournier from Martinique, Fournier l'Americain, is off, missioned by constituted authority with stanch national guards, with Lazuski the Pole sparingly provided with road money. These, through bad quarters, through difficulties, perils, for authorities cross each other in this time, do triumphantly bring off the fifty or fifty-three Orléans prisoners towards Paris, where a swifter court of the seventeenth will do justice on them. But lo, at Paris, in the interim, a still swifter and swiftest court of the second and of September has instituted itself. Enter not Paris, or that will judge you. 
what shall Hutt Fournier do? It was his duty as volunteer constable, had he been a perfect character, to guard these men's lives, never so aristocratic, at the expense of his own valuable life, never so sanscalotic, till some constituted court had disposed of them. But he was an imperfect character and constable, perhaps one of the more imperfect. Hot Fournier, ordered to turn thither by one authority, to turn thither by another authority, is in a perplexing multiplicity of orders, but finally he strikes off for Versailles. His prisoners fare in tumbrils or open carts, himself and guards riding and marching around, and at the last village the worthy mayor of Versailles comes to meet him, anxious that the arrival and locking up were well over. It is Sunday, the ninth day of the month. Lo! On entering the avenue of Versailles, what multitudes stirring, swarming in the September sun under the dull green September foliage, the four-road avenue all humming and swarming as if the town had emptied itself. Our tumbrils roll heavily through the living sea, the guards and Fournier making way with ever more difficulty, the mayor speaking and gesturing his persuasivest amid the inarticulate growling hum which growls ever the deeper even by hearing itself growl, not without sharp yelpings here and there. Would to God we were out of this straight place, and wind and separation had cooled the heat which seems about igniting here. And yet if the wide avenue is too straight, what will the street de surintendance be at leaving of the same? At the corner of Surintendant Street, the compressed yelpings become a continuous yell. Savage figures spring onto the tumbrel shafts, first spray of an endless coming tide. The mayor pleads, pushes, half desperate, is pushed, carried off in men's arms. The savage tide has entrance, has mastery. Amid horrid noise and tumult as of fierce wolves, the prisoners sink massacred, all but some eleven who escaped into houses and found mercy. The prisons, and what other prisoners they held, were with difficulty saved. The stripped clothes are burnt in bonfires, the corpses lie heaped in the ditch on the morrow morning. All France, except it be the ten men of the circular and their people, moans and rages, inarticulately shrieking. All Europe rings. But neither did Danton shriek, though, as Minister of Justice it was more his part to do so. Brawny Danton is in the breach, as of stormed cities and nations, amid the sweep of 10th of August cannon, the rustle of Prussian gallows ropes, the smiting of September sabres, destruction all round him, and the rushing down of worlds. Minister of Justice is his name, but titan of the forlorn hope, and enfant perdu of the revolution is his quality, and the man acts according to that. We must put our enemies in fear. Deep fear, is it not, as of its own accord falling on our enemies? The titan of the forlorn hope, he is not the man that would swiftest of all prevent it so falling. Forward, thou lost titan of an enfant perdu, thou must dare and again dare, and without end dare, there is nothing left for thee but that. Comment non soit flétri, let my name be blighted, what am I? The cause alone is great and shall live and not perish. So, on the whole, here too is a swallower of formulas of still wider gulp than Mirabeau. This is Danton, Mirabeau of the Sans-Culottes. 
In the September days, this minister was not heard of as cooperating with strict Roland. His business might lie elsewhere, with Brunswick and the Hotel de Ville. When applied to by an official person about the Orléans prisoners and the risks they ran, he answered gloomily, twice over, Are not these men guilty? When pressed, he answered in a terrible voice and turned his back. Two thousand slain in the prisons. Horrible, if you will. But Brunswick is within a day's journey of us, and there are five and twenty millions yet to slay or to save. Some men have tasks frightfuler than ours. It seems strange, but is not strange, that this minister of Moloch justice, when any suppliant for a friend's life got access to him, was found to have human compassion, and yielded and granted always. Neither did one personal enemy of Danton perish in these days. To shriek, we say, when certain things are acted, is proper and unavoidable. Nevertheless, articulate speech, not shrieking, is the faculty of man. When speech is not yet possible, let there be, with the shortest delay, at least silence. Silence, accordingly, in this forty-fourth year of the business, and eighteen hundred and thirty-six of an era called Christian a Lucas Anon, is the thing we recommend and practice. Nay, instead of shrieking more, it were perhaps edifying to remark on the other side what a singular thing customs, in Latin, mores are, and how fitly the virtue, virtus, manhood or worth, that is in a man, is called his morality or customariness. Fell slaughter, one the most authentic products of the pit, you would say, once give it customs, becomes war, with laws of war, and is customary and moral enough, and red individuals carry the tools of it girt round their haunches, not without an air of pride, which do thou nowise blame. While see, so long as it is but dressed in hodden or russet, and revolution, less frequent than war, has not yet got its laws of revolution, but the hodden or russet individuals are uncustomary. O oh, shrieking beloved brother blockheads of mankind, let us close those wide mouths of ours. Let us cease shrieking and begin considering. End of Book 1, Chapter 6